Hi, I'm Sarah Goodall, wife, mum, and marketing obsessed business owner. Welcome to my Campfire Chat series. After 20 plus years in B2B marketing roles, I've had the great pleasure to meet and work with some fascinating folks. People who've inspired or challenged me to think differently about social business, advocacy, and digital leadership. I figured it was time to share their stories and insights in a series of short, punchy podcast chats. Today, I'm talking to Keith Lewis from Zurich Insurance. Now, Keith leads social media at Zurich Insurance, focusing on identifying internal influencers, but also creating a social active workforce. He works within a highly regulated industry, which provides Keith with a different perspective on social business, something we'll be chatting about today. I first met him when I worked at SAP, and now I keep randomly bumping into Keith on the train to London most weeks. Welcome to my campfire chat, Keith. Welcome to my campfire chat, Keith. It's nice to have you here. Yeah, nice to be here. That's all right. Do you know what, actually? Just to get this thing started, I was trying to work out when we first met, because I think I was working at SAP, wasn't I, at the time? I've got a sneaking suspicion you may just have left. I thought you were still in Norway, and I heard a podcast that you'd been on and dropped your line. So if you ever happen to be traveling through the UK, then then let me know, and I'll meet It'd be good to, to chat. And you said, um, I think I might live down the road now. <laughs> Um, yeah, which literally. indeed you do <laughs> yeah so, about a mile away <laughs> yeah so it's, it's nice to bump into you on the on the travels every now and again and of course i know even. that is hilarious right so for those listening keith and i randomly keep bumping into each other on the train don't we uh, to and yep. from london it's just weird isn't it because you're walking through the carriage just as you're about to get off and that's when you see me so i'm um, we need to sort this out a little bit so train carriage app somewhere along the line. yeah yeah where are you on the train but what also i think is an amazing story is when we did first meet i was what eight months pregnant about to have a baby yeah you were like very that. pregnant i remember yes and um your wife does pregnancy classes doesn't she so well actually and also plays baby so it, within meeting you i booked a class because <laughs> i was about to have my baby and luckily your wife helped me through it which was amazing I was it's teamwork it is isn't it it's amazing here and that actually is the power of social isn't it you get to meet people Absolutely. that you never you never would have thought of so it's brilliant right anyway so let's talk about business you're in comms and you've got a pr background haven't you very much so most of the people I talk to around social business come from a marketing background. So how did you find yourself in a social media role? As ever with the career routes, it's sort of part by accident and circumstance and a little bit part by design. Um, so yes, yeah, so I my background is media and PR. So I was in the, the press office at Zurich um, in different roles, media relations and focusing on the PR side of things. And then of course, um, the social world got in, got in the way and I kind of realized quite early on that there's an opportunity there from a media perspective and how we keep talking to, from a press office perspective, how we talk to journalists and how we keep that conversation going in between the times where we don't have a story for them or we don't have a problem that they need to talk to us about. So I kind of developed that. And then um, being in a large organization, we had a restructure and there was a, a gap that needed filling. And I've sort of flagged up that. So that's something I could do. And we kind of changed the role slightly and, and, and ended up as social media and social business manager. And that's kind of how it built up from there. I sit across um, different parts of the business. So yes, I'm in our corporate affairs team, um, but I keep really close links to our internal comms team, which is part of our HR team. 
but then also with marketing as well. So yes, while I'm not have a don't have a marketing background, I certainly work really closely with all those parts of the business. But what I love about that, it kind of happened with me at SAP too, is that you you've kind of created this role. You know, you spotted the opportunity for why the business needed it, but also your interests and curiosity and you kind of built the role around that, which is pretty cool, I think. So. Yeah, I think I think you've got to do that nowadays. If you if you see an opportunity, given the scale of change and the pace of change that we see, no matter what part of the business world that you operate in, the future and um, will be vastly different. Um, so we've got to kind of look look to those gaps and see what's coming up and position yourself to to make the most of it when it happens. And I think actually on that, encouraging employees to to be innovative in this digital world and yeah, to spot where there's gaps and where you could actually fill that where you've got an idea and yeah brilliant it's just it's never been easier to do that if you look around with things like automation and um whilst that's scary for some people um it's it's both scary and a massive opportunity um so it's it's been able to to see into the future and look at what those gaps might be and how you might um transition yourself and whatever it is you're doing into into that gap um that's where the future is heading absolutely now social media in a regulated industry sounds a little bit (laughs) sounds like scary territory okay Mm -hmm. so and especially when you're talking about getting employees involved in that it feels like it could be you know ultra cautious you know saying the wrong thing on social media financial promotions things like that how do you manage that at Zurich? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, that is a concern that we face every day. Um, um, but the, the key thing for me is not hiding away from it. Um, we kind of front it up. No matter what part of the business you're in, um, for us as an insurance company, we've got people who deal in the life insurance side and general insurance side, no matter what your business is that your listeners are, are in, they will know what their red lines are about their particular um, regulatory spaces. So um, whether they're allowed to say X, Y, and Z, they already know that. And I just so front up say, look, you already know what you're not allowed to say in public. If I put you in a room with people, you know what you can and what you can't say. And this is exactly the same. We're just changing the channel that that conversation happens in. So yes, um, it, it's an it's an issue and a concern. And that's the thing that I find does stop people. And I've got a slide that I use in whenever I'm doing a presentation that says, what is it? What's stopping you? And we can help you get over those things because whilst there are red areas that you you can't touch. There's a whole world of other stuff that you could do to raise mm. your profile, to talk about, to engage with your connections, your, your community on, that, on whatever platform you're on that doesn't touch those red lines. But people yeah. get really anxious about the red lines, which stops them from doing everything else. Yeah. So yeah. Part of it is fronting it up and being really clear about it. Uh, and secondly, is kind of showing them what they could do and bringing it back down to, to earth. So I, I did a couple of sessions this week with colleagues and said, look, here's my diary. This is what my diary looks like. Um, and this is how I would approach my social world, social media world, looking at my diary. So whether it's a, an International Women's Day event on the Monday morning, whether it's taking my boys to um, their acro lessons on a Tuesday where I can work flexibly and work from the leisure centre and while they're doing their thing, it allows us to do that. Whether it's a rugby training thing, because I'm a rugby referee as well, so I do that side of things. <laughs> whether it's a, a webinar about social media or social trends, that's a piece of content that can be created. And whether it's Friday the 13th, as it was a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) all those things are triggers for social content, but none of which get anywhere close to a selling insurance regulated space. So it's kind of talking people and saying, start to think like this and don't worry so much about that. 
Yeah. But if we're talking about that, the other thing we do is that we help employees to create the content around that, or, or we give them content that's already been approved. So it's been through the, you mentioned financial promotions team or through the regulatory space, or it's been signed off and it's in the public domain from marketing. And we put that into our employee advocacy platform that they can then share on with some words that we'll write for them as well. So we're kind of ticking that box as well and making it really easy for them to still talk about their area of expertise that is regulated but in a compliant and the kind of safe way i love that and i think your whole thing around fronting up to it there are a lot of companies out there i think that still got their head in the sand and thinking no we just can't deal with this we've got a policy we've ticked that box you know we don't need to do anything more for that but i think companies need to realize that employees are already social right most Mm -hmm. people have a facebook account an instagram account they're already connected they're already networked so it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of, you've, you've got to do this, right? It's due diligence. You've got to make sure that your employees are safe on social, mm-hmm. whether it's at home or in the workplace and know the difference and know what's okay and what's not okay. So sticking your head in the sand is not, yeah, it's not it's great that we've got people like me and people do little listeners i guess who are doing this because mm. it, keep, it keeps us employed and because we can we can handhold them through the process we've got yeah. the policies we've got the training and we've got the content and stuff so it's just kind of making sure that we can put it all in an easy to digest place for employees to then pick up and do something with brilliant now we've talked before and you've done a webinar with us about this this fascinates me the connection between internal social activation of employees and their ability to be successful externally on social media it's some it's something that you do really well and i've not seen a lot of companies made that connection because somebody else in the organization is managing the enterprise social network and somebody else is doing advocacy so can you tell us a little bit more about how you've pulled these two together and examples of how it's worked really well yeah again another one of those sort of coincidence and opportunity moments where um, we had yammer um, in the past and we kind of realized that the opportunity that that would have from an internal comms perspective and at the time i was part of the internal comms world i'm still doing social weirdly but <laughs> kind of we did that and then we've transferred as an organization sort of globally onto workplace mm. um, and that when i go back to my what's stopping you question a lot of the the answers that we get to that question are around confidence so having the internal space where if you're going to mess it up, you're going to do it amongst friends and colleagues, which can also be a bit scary, but it helps people get going. So it's, again, it's taking that Facebook, it's a Facebook product, so it looks and feels very much like Facebook. So people can transfer that personal stuff that they might already know and understand about Facebook and then do it on, on Workplace. And it's just getting people comfortable with sharing their stories about creating their own little networks, creating their own communities and making sure they have their voice in, in whatever community they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we try not to over-regulate it. We don't over-structure it. Um, we've got sort of UK groups around business area and function area, but we kind of said to employees, look, if, you've, if you want to create your own little group and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, then crack on um, <laughs> and do it. And that getting people into the habit of doing it and sharing their stories, sharing their more personal stuff. So if we were videoing this, you'd see I'm wearing a rather funky shirt today um, because we've called Fridays as Funky Shirt Fridays. (laughs) And we're showing remote working that some of us have been doing more have been doing over recent months with global events. We've been doing that, but it's a real way of getting people to still be part of a community group to talk about something that's really safe and non-controversial on the social space where we're sharing our pictures of our funky shirts um, with our colleagues and it's just generating some comfort for for everyone that it's okay Um, and they're getting a reaction from it and it's a positive reaction so that mindset that we're taking is is really positive and we're able to then kind of say well you're doing a great job here 
why don't you go and do that over there and be the brilliant PA that you are? Go and do that on LinkedIn or if you're a business account manager or a sales board or whatever it is you might do, you can do that. So taking that comfort blanket of getting people going and sharing and creating content, but in the comfort blanket of being an internal only platform is, has been really useful for us. I love that. And the, the words that I've written down are things like confidence. So helping employees get confident, comfortable, um, building habit, creating stories, storytelling in the workplace. I, I like the idea, you know, people aren't ready for like sharing their families at work or whatever, but the whole funky shirt thing or the view from your window or the, you know, it's just, it's a leveler for everyone, but in a more human way. And I think it helps people think, you know, you can be human at work. It's okay to be a, to be person. You don't have to, you don't change your personality when you, when you shut your computer down. So, um, uh, and that's yeah. a really good point. So I've got a slide that I put up whenever I do my social training that kind of paints the different parts of me. So the, yeah. the, who are you slide? So it's got my social, it's more, I've got my media and PR background, my social professional bit. And um, it's got my rugby bit on there. It's got family on there and it's got my content creation stuff about the podcast that I do for rugby the blog that I sometimes write so it's all there and everybody has a slide like that about themselves mm. um, and they can choose whether to bring all of that slide onto the platform social route that they're on um, or they can choose not to but if they have that thought process up front and we can kind of say look it's fine to do all this because you are one human being so bring as much of that to, to this place as, as you're comfortable with if they have that thought up front then it's really it stops them sort of making a mess of it later on or going to places that they're not comfortable with yeah that's brilliant and and that is a nice way to understand it i think as an employee that's nervously stepping into social activity in the workplace that's a really good way an easy way for them to digest it so um yeah good tips there thanks keith now i know switching gears a little bit i know that you are quite passionate about the whole employees as influencers topic and i am too because i can see where this thing's going from your perspective what does it take to be an employee influencer on social media because i think the world has they know what external instagram influencers look like but in the world of business can you have influencers and if so what do they look like yeah, I mean, for sure. And, that, and that's the, the harder journey because there's, there's only so much we can do from, a, from my role perspective and, and, and our roles. Um, it's kind of giving them that confidence that they can and some content to let them do it. But then it's getting them into a space of, of having a commitment to it and a little bit of focus. You can't be a, an influencer in any world without putting some time into it. And I, can't, I don't shy away from that. And they have to provide that bit of time and that focus to make it a, a good hand of it, a good fist of it. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. So you have to look at this as a long-term game. You have to, it takes time to build an audience and the right audience and then to share and create great content, stick to your sphere of influence at the core. So it's, it's part of those things that we have to just help them get there and do it. But yeah, everyone has an influence. And we all know that on whatever social your platform you're on, whether it's a personal one or a business-related one, that when you speak, then you get certain people reacting to it. It might be the same people all the time, but that, however big your sphere is, those are the people we're trying to influence. And you do that every day. It's just getting people to think about it in a professional perspective. So if I am a, a business account manager, then how do I become a better business account manager? The fact that they're doing that, well, the Zurich name will be attached to that because if they're using LinkedIn, it says they work for Zurich. Yeah. underneath it so yeah it's, it's definitely something we're trying to raise there's no quick win to it though but we're, we're starting you have to kind of play the long-term game and get people comfortable with it and, and give people a sort of launch pad if you like to, to get going and, and then once they're there you suddenly find that they get it all of a sudden and then they're off 
Yeah. What you said there, there's no quick win, right? So I think there's this whole um, idea, well, I could just buy a load of followers. You know, I can just quickly accelerate myself into a position of influence, start calling myself an influencer. I think that is the key point here is not like that. Yeah, this is not a quick win, right? This is not a do this, get that. It's, you know, cause and effect. It's, it's not a diet. It takes time to build relationship. You know, you've just got to know that upfront. And like you said earlier, know what the time involved is. So don't try and flower it up for someone and make it look like it's easier than it is. Cause it's not, you've got to be committed. So. You absolutely do. And I had a great quote from someone um, uh, back in the spring, which obviously when we were going through the fun times that we were going through um, of somebody said, it took me 20 years to get 20 years of experience. But for you, going through that at that time, it, you got 20 years experience in three weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Think, think back to those those times that I think yeah. we'd all probably uh, uh, go with that. But it does take time. Normally, it takes time to get the experience and the, the sort of self-confidence to do what you do. Now, with, with events recently, that's obviously getting much narrower, but you still have to invest the time into it. And hopefully during slightly calmer circumstances, which you can control. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's time to get your crystal ball out, Keith. Um, Dust it off. (laughs) So what's your perspective on how this whole social business thing's going? I'll give you an example. We've got advocacy kicking off over in one place. We've got social selling. We're talking about influencers today. Where's this all going in in your view? Where do you reckon this is all going to end up? Oh, but I don't know where it's going to end up, but it's certainly going to keep going. All the things that you've just talked about there are certainly the ones that will keep going. I think as organic social continues to struggle and what we've seen that as long with most brands through the brand channels as that keeps going down as the focus on all the platforms turns to the person to person um, relationships and the person to person messaging and platforms it can only shift that into the social space we've got to make sure that employees are comfortable with it that leaders are comfortable with it um, and this is the direction of travel this won't replace face-to-face for sure, there'll still be a really strong element to that because people do business with people and you sometimes have to do that face-to-face. But the support of social around that time will just keep going up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more we talk about it now is that we'll be ready for that um, across all our business areas, even more so in the, in the near future. But where it ends up, who knows? I don't know enough about this, but it's on my mind. Is like how you start to attract talent to a company Mm. through the voice of the employees that already work there. You get a feel, you get a measure, you get a a sense of the personality of the business, the values of the business from the people that work there through the content, you know, that they're sharing on social media. And I think it's all connected to that. It's connected to how you recruit, but also purchasing decisions and how people want to partner with companies or people and how they operate on social is going to have an impact isn't it absolutely and look we've got to just look back this year as to what we've just been through um, and what we might still be going through and what might happen again but we already know of companies in our minds who we've heard who have not particularly treated their employees well or they've not treated their customers particularly well um, and that will really drive future business behavior i think it's too early to, to really make a call on that as to at what level and but we're already starting to see it so if you treat your employees right they will become your best advocates and and people have been through that and have learned the hard way or they've learned the best way and we are we have seen i can't put any numbers to it it's too early but we already know that people have been attracted to zurich by the 
the work that we've done to give employees the content to talk about us as an employer, as a company. Um, and they wouldn't have even thought about working for an insurance company because insurance is deadly dull. Um, it's really not. But most people think about that. They don't necessarily associate a comp- an insurance company as needing people with all the roles that we've got. Yeah. So giving all that power and empowerment to people to talk about us in the stuff that they're doing in there for their for our charity work through our Zurich Community Trust or our foundation globally, whether yeah. it's through our employee resource groups and our DNI groups and all that kind of stuff is really gives a, a, a voice to our employees to about what we're like as a company to work for. So we mm. absolutely do see it will change um, depending on how people are perceive your organization to be from what they hear and see on social. I think that's it. You nailed it there. And it's about behaving ethically, credibly, transparently. Do you know what I mean? And I think this absolutely. is going to, this is going to attract a certain type of employee it's bigger it's bigger than social selling it's bigger than advocacy it's connected to culture and you know I, i'm just fascinated sorry i asked yeah, you, we, you we, crystal ball but you did but we, <laughs> we talked about this at the start of the year when edelman came out where it yeah. really flagged that that yeah. people would rather do business with firms that do it the right way not necessarily do it well yeah um, and if you think about us as an insurance company look people sometimes come to us with claims and we don't pay them because they're not covered that's a really bad customer experience. It's the right customer experience from our perspective, how we do that. And if we're doing that from an, a strong community position or a strong ethical position, then people are much more likely to um, have that in mind as they accept those decisions that we make. Um, yeah. If we're doing it for the right reason, even if they don't like it, then that's a much better position to be in. And we've got a job to, to sort of tell that story as, as communicators, I guess. Yeah, and I and I think actually I've just written down, you know, employees are part of the bigger brand story and they all, they will be increasingly over the next years, I think. And, you know, the quicker you come to realise that and embrace that and turn it into something, you know, that's more positive for your brand, then you're going to be moving away from the click share, click share, let's just get some content out there. You know, you've got to start thinking bigger about this and Absolutely. how it impacts the business. Brilliant. Keith, do you know, it's always a pleasure to chat to you i think we're gonna have to sort this out on the train though so we can actually find each other so we can sit together for a bit long maybe you don't want to let's let's make it happen (laughs) i was gonna say i'll bring the coffee you bring the donuts (laughs) oh you don't need to ask me twice there i'll tell you (laughs) thanks so much keith i really appreciate it it's great chatting to you as always (laughs) pleasure thanks sarah thanks for listening to the campfire chat podcast be sure to visit tribalimpact.com to join us on social media access the show notes and discover content that relates to today's conversation. See you at the next episode.